future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Monday, uh, March 14th, 2022. Welcome to Raging Chicken's Out the Coop Live. This is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. On Out the Coop Live, we talk to progressive activists and troublemakers of all sorts, right from our own backyards from across the country. On Fridays, you got to check out our Friday Politics Roundup, where we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. And check out the Wednesday show uh, with Cyril Michaleko. We got him on tonight because Cyril and I have been like trying to connect, and one thing happens, and the next thing's happens, the next thing's happens. So it's been a bit. With, so this has worked out perfectly to have him come on to the Monday night show where we can actually kind of catch up on everything he's been working on and so on. Um, Cyril is a progressive columnist for the Bucks County Courier Times, the Intelligencer, and from the Bucks County Beacon, where he's been tearing it up there already. Cyril's a progressive. Uh, um, Cyril's usually joins the show we break down what's happening in bucks county pennsylvania and even international politics you can get all our shows by subscribing to our pod podcast on podbean itunes spotify wherever you get your podcast you can help support this show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month head on over to patreon.com rc press and you can also help out the show right now by heading over to our youtube channel if you're not there already smash that subscribe button like the stream for the show and hit that notification bell that you'll know every time we go live you can also join our Discord server. Information on that is right in our show notes for tonight. For more PA Progressive Talk, tune into the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern on his YouTube channel, Twitter, or Facebook, wherever you get your streaming channel. you got to subscribe to his podcast wherever you get your podcast. Head on over to the ricksmithshow.com for the latest across all of his platforms. And you must check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast if you haven't already. They are in season two, everybody. Season two! The amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast. Rock the house. And they know where the bodies are buried. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. And subscribe to their podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for all you gamers out there, The Game Inn, that's with two N's, The Game Inn is a Quaker Town-based, black family-owned gaming store. They're friends of the show, and they've got everything for retro, retro N64s, the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, loads of collectibles, action figures, and Funko Pops. And look, kids get a discount when they do get A's on the report card. How great is that? Check them out on their Facebook page. Follow them on Twitter at, at The Game Inn. If you've got a question about a game, look for something hard to find, shoot them a message and drop them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. A special shout-out, as usual, goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at, at Song of Dayman. That's at Song of Dayman on Twitter. Want to let you know about a show that we've got coming up to as well next Monday, March 21st. I'm going to be welcoming William Horn to the show to talk about his recent article in Truth Out that was titled, Fascism's Legal Phase Has Begun, Threats of White Vigilante Violence Are Real. Horn is an Arthur J. Ennis postdoctoral fellow at Villanova University who writes about the relationship of race to labor, freedom, and capitalism after the Civil War. He's got a PhD from the George Washington University and is co-founder and editor of the Activist History Reviews. So that is next week right here at 7 p.m. 
on Out to Coop Live. But of course, tonight, we're welcoming Cyril back to join our Monday night show. Um, as I said, Bucks County Courier Times, the Intelligencer, Bucks County Beacon, it's fantastic. It's been a bit since we've been able to catch up on everything he's working on. So this so psyched this worked out. It almost did not work out, which I'll explain in just a second. Oh, actually, I can take this uh, this one guest block and put him back up there. I had I had a, a stand-in guest block just in case. <laughs> we really get you on. I'm like, okay, show number two getting, getting planned as we go here. Um, so we'll be talking about uh, the ever-present school board wars uh, in Bucks County. Uh, right wings now turning to attention to banning books. We'll also maybe touch base and talk a little bit about uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. I know Cyril's been paying attention to that too as well. We'll take a moment to celebrate Cyril's one-year anniversary as the columnist of the Bucks County Courier Times. Now, four days ago, yes, four days ago, it seems like yesterday, right? It's been a significant gain in progressive voices representing a growing progressive community in Bucks. Um, so I'm thrilled to have you back on tonight to be able to talk to you again, Cyril. How you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back, Kevin. Good to finally uh, connect with you. And that almost didn't happen again tonight. I know, I know, literally. Okay, so here's the deal. I, I was saying what I was trying to say, right? When I was working out, trying to figure out, okay, uh, I saw you coming in. And so I'm so sitting there, but I, I could see you, couldn't hear you. I was trying to kind of... Um, um, adjust what was happening and in that process i also shut my own mic off <laughs> so it was like one thing after another um my daughter had an awful day today i knew as she was, I was just kind of one of those days i got her, her favorite thing for dinner wegman's mac and cheese got a whole new she was so thrilled i got it we get it i cook it what happens it's actually spoiled it turned right so it's actually so we had sour milk mac and cheese right and so it's like you know it's like it's been that kind of day um, so literally about, what, 15 minutes, 20 minutes before we're going to go on tonight, right? And like Cyril's like texting me, my power went out. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> but luckily, the power is back on. Cyril is here. Oh, my gosh. It's been quite a day, I'm telling you. <laughs> It's, it's almost over. It's, it's almost funny. over. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, I'm waiting for something to happen yet where, like, my day will not be over yet. I mean, if I've, like, painted a wall, like, this whole area of my basement today. I've done running all these errands like a, like a mad person. But anyways, 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 enough about me here um, tonight. But, man, so it's been, it's been a while since we talked. And um, since we talked last, things have not gotten less crazy. <laughs> um, no. in Bucks County at all. Um, I mean, I don't know where we should even start tonight. I mean, because, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, I mean, you have written, since we talked last, you have written about, obviously, what's happening in Ukraine, right? Uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Get a, sh uh, a shout out for the kind of folks that are doing some of the solidarity work and kind of helping support folks there. We've got the um, kind of the uptick of the uh, book burning. I mean, the book bans, <laughs> right, yeah. that are happening in our schools. We saw um, like woke PA, right, is now kind of like uh, turns out that Chris Ullery had a great piece over in the Courier Times, kind of tracking the money behind woke PA. Um, I mean, I mean, where, where's the other one? Where's the other piece I've got right here too? Oh yeah, creationism at Penridge, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> so I mean. Let, let me just let, let's start maybe at like the 10,000 feet view a little bit and and give us a little kind of what have you seen happen over the, these past few weeks um, and how would you kind of describe what's happened what's going on yeah I, I think what we're seeing is that there's no let up you know on the side of the of the far right 
um, they're kind of moving forward with the momentum that they got with the last election, right? And they have their eyes on this coming November. Um, and what I'm also concerned about, like moving forward, is just, you know, what is the Democratic Party doing to kind of, um, you know, to counter this, right? Right? Yeah. Is it, you know, I know parents are, are doing the work, right? And we're seeing that in Penridge. Um, in Central Bucks, you know, there are parents that are organizing on their own and pushing back. Um, but I, I'd like to see the, the party do a little more, throw some resources behind this, because, you know, what we're seeing from Penridge and North Penn and Central Bucks, um, like many other people have pointed out, it's part of a national kind of campaign. Right. Right. Um, to kind of activate uh the far right base to kind of whip them into a frenzy right and and to turn them out and and they are coming out and and you know the scary thing is like with their majorities on some of these school boards um the damage that they're going to be doing to these school districts it, it's going to be hard to undo and you know quite frankly like you know, I'm wondering if there's going to be like mass resignations, right? Like at the end of the school year, right. um, in some of these districts. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, and um, on. I don't know where this goes in even in the short term. Um, you know, I've looked, look since the beginning of this year, because I'm in the Penridge School District, and we're in this, you know, anti-mass craziness and everything. Both my kids have not had COVID. Right, um, and they wear KN95 masks to school, but that's only going to get you so far when, when virtually nobody else has got them on, right? Including teachers, right? Not all. I mean, most of the teachers got them, but you know, again, some of the teachers that, that do not, right? So, and you know, even with it's like my son in middle school or my daughter in um, in elementary school, even if they are wearing the mask, right? You're eventually packed into the lunchroom, right, during lunchtime. So that's like at a personal level, that's hit so hard, right? And that's kind of upended kind of our working lives, right? Certainly there and theirs. Luckily, they've been vaccinated, right? Um, so that they had, my son had a little bit harder case than my, my daughter. Um, but that's just kind of like one kind of window in. I look at things like what they're doing over in Central Bucks and are doing here in Penridge too as well, about looking and, and going through these, you know, really performative, like, I mean, it's like the same playbook, right? Okay, first there was the anti-maskers, then there was the anti-CRTers, and now there's the kind of anti-books people. And they, they do this performance of they're just going after the next thing. And I think that you're absolutely right that there is no let-up, and there's not going to be a let-up. And what this means for what's going to even be possible in these school boards for the next two years is, is pretty substantial. And... You know, look, I think that there's, I think you're right. I think we're going to see some teacher res resignations. I think we're going to see some staff resignations um, across these school districts. Um, I think parents are going to continue to organize and continue to push back. But in the meantime, I think there's real damage that's happening to our schools. But, yeah, uh, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's just... I think people, we, like, people need to start getting together and, and, and including like some folks from the party and just kind of like really map out like 
one, like how do we move forward, but not just with it within these, these school boards, because a school board is just like a microcosm for like bigger issues that are happening, you know, across the community. And but how do we use maybe like the school boards to kind of like organize around and, and then kind of like mobilize a movement around the more kind of like systemic, um, you know, the systemic issues that are kind of like leading to these problems. You know, such as like, you know, it's like school funding, whether it's for like higher education or just for, um, you know, just for K through 12. Right. And, and the fact that it's tied to like property taxes um, with the state, like, you know, being one of the worst in the country with the, its contributions. Um, you know, and with that trial that just passed, I mean, you had the Republican lawyer you know essentially admitting that like this system is 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 set up in a way right. where it's kind of creating like a permanent underclass like he's saying well there needs to be retail workers and like what's algebra one for someone on the mcdonald's career track right right um, it's astounding right i mean it's like you know masks off entirely at this point but you know, and let me go back to your point that you were making about the, about the Democratic Party in here. And I'll tell you, I do. Here's, I, I think we've got this two track thing happening too. I do think, for example, the Democratic Party, however we want to talk about that, we could talk about it in the most general sense, but also in terms of party mechanism at the state level and the county level, even national level. I do think that there is more attention being paid to what's happening in Bucks County, what's happening in Pennsylvania, from the Democratic Party. Um, I think that there's a recognition, especially since we saw some, you know, of these stories about what's happening in our school boards breakthrough on the national level and seeing that this is actually a really critical district, um, both for the state house and uh, kind of nationally. The problem is, uh, or my, I should put it like this, one of my concerns is, is that um, when the Democratic Party says we need to put, pay more attention there, what they, what they mean by that is that we need to fly in more of these consultants. Right, who are going to try to kind of workshop these kind of messages that they think plays well with this kind of middle of the road voter, right? I've called this in a different kind of context, you know, the, the you know, the unicorn, like, you know, like moderate Republican that you're going after, as opposed to the massive number of people that are being impacted by what's happening to the school boards. Right. So I think that, you know, as we get closer to the 2022 election, the Democrats are going to kind of return to this kind of consultant-based way of thinking about it. And by consultants, I'm really talking about these national consultants, right, who basically say the way you win election in a purple district is that you talk about how great cops are, right? The way that you win an election in a purple district is that you kind of, you say you want to kind of don't want to raise taxes, right? You're, you're still replaying the 1990s Bill Clinton, um, like, 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 like model, whereas I think that they need to start fighting back. And I'm thinking back to what um, Diana Lagerman had said on this show not too long ago, when she was like, look, we need to fight with the, what the issues are. <laughs> we need, if they're coming out, we cannot just kind of like pretend that that doesn't exist because that is what is driving people out to vote. And that's how we got to build our organizing model around. But No, I agree. And I, you know, I was just thinking like when you were talking about them kind of, um, you know, pivoting back to this kind of like consultancy um, electioneering, um, they do need to listen to people like, you know, women like Diana Lagerman or Adrian King or Marlene Prey. Um, they, they need to listen to the 
their base, you know, whether it's labor activists, um, maybe someone like, um, well, and they needed to support like folks like, you know, Connor O'Hanlon, right? Like someone who, a Democrat who's running, you know, on these issues, saying clearly, just championing like democratic, progressive values, which is what we need to be winning on. Right. right like if we if you don't believe enough that like your values and your ideals you know for the country um is going to win over like the the majority of the population then, like why are you even you know why are you a democratic party what do you stand for right yeah 100 percent. i mean 100 percent. um and, and you know i also think that we saw in uh, i i think i'm pretty sure that you saw uh diana lagerman's piece that kind of came out her thread about the kind of breakdown of the paul martino's quote-unquote white paper in the central buck school district um about where you know looking basically the that money kind of coming in is you know not only is it going to continue to come in but you know he's producing these kind of like self-fulfilling prophecy white papers that can't even get math right um, but are nonetheless, like, but they don't really, you know, and again, I think it's really, I mean, she said it better than I ever could. Yeah, look, that was never the point, right? <laughs> the point was just to put on this little PR show and that's what's going to get the media. Um, but it's also kind of clearing the way to make sure that more of his money is going to be pouring into these, um, to these elections. No, I, I mean, absolutely. And it'll, it'll be come, probably be coming from a few more folks like him as well. The, you know, aspiring oligarchs and you know like you said a lot of that was performative I, you know, he strikes me as someone that likes to have his ego stroked so that's why I think like he kind of like showed up and if you listen to that meeting like you know the, the, the crowd's reaction to them to him was like pretty ridiculous um, rockstar but, you know, that's, rockstar yeah he is um, but yeah and you know and then that's like you know, unfortunately, like we don't have the money, you know, like the big pockets that the right has. That's why, like, we need to kind of like. That's why the Democratic Party needs to engage in organ one organizing the grassroots, but two actually like listening to the grassroots. Yeah, and it seems like those grassroots have been pretty active of late, right? So yeah. it's not like it's hard to find people who are. Uh, who are ready to talk and have already developed strategies of what they think we need to be doing at the local level. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. And and, and it's just, you know, it, it, it's such, it's such a grind, right? Because like, you know, not only, not only are you dealing with this like far right kind of, um, you know, uh, onslaught, but like you're dealing with the mis and disinformation that they keep spewing out, right? That's just kind of like, you have to like, you know, just we're, there's a fight for like the truth and, and like facts. And, and that's whether that's what happened in North Penn with the Moms for Liberty mom kind of spewing misinformation about like the school lining up kids by the shade of their skin, which never happened. And that leads to like a death threat you know, to the schools, uh, to the teacher, as well as to the school, the elementary schools, uh, faculty and staff, um, whether it's these pa these far right parents, you know, that are like taking cues from this woke PA um, website, who are just very like, 
you know, they're, they're cherry picking these like passages and like, they're the ones that are actually trying to like sexualize these passages by not like putting it within the context exactly. of what the, what the book is talking about, which is pretty sick. And the fact that they can't even recognize what they're doing um, is even more disturbing. Well, let's let's go into that meeting a little bit. So, I mean, at that meeting, right? This is the past Central Buck School um, School District, uh, yeah, school board meeting, where you had these parents come up and they're kind of going after these particular books. So, I mean, did you, did you get a chance? You got a chance to see that whole meeting? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, I mean, I was literally like, my jaw is dropping that this is how they're approaching these like this material. Right. So, I mean, kind of for those folks who haven't had a chance to check out that meeting yet. So walk us through a little bit. And you wrote about this excellently. I mean, kind of like pointed exactly to what the issue is here, which you just started to address there by kind of sexualizing passages, by taking them out of context and, and not putting them in like, you know, within the literature that was trying to grapple with some really tough stuff, right? Um, and it was kind of completely within the, you know, the nationally recognized standards of you know, kind of literature for high school students. So, I mean, what did you see happening kind of at, at that? Break it, break it down for us a bit. Sure. I mean, there's a lot. Like one, like there was a, you know, this was an organized campaign. There was, you know, a call out on this far right list, and this was something that Olary talked about as well, um, asking parents to show up at the meeting and to, um, you know, read these passages that are listed on the woke PA site, you know, in order to kind of like misrepresent like what these books actually, um, you know, talk about and stand for. Um, and in order to kind of uh, create at least the perception that there is this public support for um, ban. You know, they're not going to say we well, we don't we don't want to ban these books, but that's what effectively what they want to do. They want to challenge totally. them so that they are removed, right, and then <laughs> inaccessible for the the student population. So that is a ban. Um, you know, another thing that was really just it was just sick was that a few of the these uh, far-right parents were suggesting that the books were purposely placed in the library in order to, quote-unquote, groom kids for pedophilia. I mean, one, that's just insane. Two, it, it's just irresponsible because, three, you know, you can have some lunatic that actually believes this, right, and just might, might do something about that, might even make a death threat or follow through on a death threat if they actually think a librarian or a teacher exactly. is trying to groom their children. This is like, I mean, this was the, I, I'm so glad you said that because when I, when I heard that, I'm thinking the first thing that went through my mind was Pizzagate, right? Mm -hmm. When you had this, this insane kind of like right-wing complete conspiracy theory about somehow the Clintons are operating a pizza shop, right? We're in the basement that they're kind of like trafficking in kids and there's engaged in like organized pedophilia. Some dude like shows up with an assault rifle to shoot up the place, right? Cause he believed it. And it does not take that. I mean, it is not that far of a leap to see the same kind of nonsense being propagated in, you know, in this stuff around the school boards, to imagine that all these militia members and all these QAnon supporters in the area who are already kind of like, you know, over their heads in this kind of like, you know, conspiracy theory stuff to 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 take it to that next level. I mean, it, it's it's frightening to me to see this is where we're at. 
Yeah. I mean, and, and then, you know, just speaking of the militia, like, you know, the head of the Proud American Patriot Network, TJ Coaston, like he's someone who's also like talked about this, right? Um, who, who's brought up these types of, uh, you know, these types of books in the past. Um, and like all these people, like the Reopen Bucks, the Woke PA, the Militia, they're running in the same circles. <laughs> like, let's not fool ourselves. Like, they're working together on this. Totally. And, and, that, and that's been kind of shown by folks like Chris Olery, right, in the Courier Times. Um, the problem is, too, it just but like now, like moving forward, is that people there's a majority on the board that sympathize with the this kind of like rage filled nonsense right, right? And, and and so the bottom line is like one you know from from what you heard from the school board meeting and then the the next day the policy meeting is that you know my take on it is that they want to deprofessionalize the whole process, procedures, and standards for how library books are chosen and how they're challenged, right? Yep. Um, so, like, rather than leaving it to professionals, <laughs> like the librarians that went to school for this, and, and then, you know, following the guidelines of, say, like, the American Association of School Librarians, ALA, the Library Bill of Rights, you're seeing pushback against that by the, by the right-wing school board members, right? And then, like, who knows, like, you know, what type of, like, quote-unquote committee that they might form in order to challenge books. Um, you know, my, my take on it, would, it would be like some kind of, uh, you know, something similar to, you know, that farce of a DEI committee in Penridge, that's but maybe that's even worse. Exactly, right? exactly. Um, just like stacking it in, in, in such a way where, you know, their, uh, you know, folks on their side will essentially have the ultimate say about what is and isn't allowed in in the library um, you know, and the worst, you know, the worst thing about this is it's, 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 it's the students who are going to suffer. Yeah. I mean, and look, at some point this has got to, I think it's starting to register, you know, register with a lot of parents actually, who've been trying to bring this up, but we're going to see, I mean, it's going to be real concrete impacts to this stuff too, as well. I mean, the same stuff that you talked about in Penridge, right. You drew attention to, you know, that stuff there, we're kind of, you know, sending outsourcing tutoring to like churches so that they can tell us that, you know, oh yeah, the, the history of evolution. Well, you know, the earth was created 3000 years ago, right. When you get that, when those students, when students who go through that tutoring, then have to take tests on that. Right. And have to kind of are going to try to share that nonsense in their AP exams and things like this. They're not. Guess where they're not getting <laughs> right. They're not getting that credit and they're actually not getting that right on the test. Right. And it's going to put them back when it comes to college, even at that level. If you have the kind of like, the, you know, access to books, what are seen as part of a standardized collection of, you know, say, like approved literature, whatever you want to say. Right. I mean, where, you know, it's normal. <laughs> right for high school students to read Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye, right? And to grapple with those issues. And that becomes part of what binds us together, right? Because we're grappling with this stuff together. And you know what? That student that shows up to college, right, without having gone through a curriculum where they've been challenged in that way versus a student who has, right? You're basically kind of like kneecapping those students because you're going to 
you know, trying to kind of quote unquote keep them and make them make sure they're morally upstanding individuals as the as the line goes. And so where are you going to send them? You're going to send them to like, you know, Jerry Falwell school. And that's, that's the only place that's going to be our Hillsdale college. Those are the only places that those kids are going to be go to college. But then worse off is that we're corroding the very fabric of a kind of multiracial democracy. I mean, so even within our own communities, right. Um, there's like deep divisions on this and I'm sorry, I know I'm going off a little bit of a rail here, but it's like, Holy crap. I mean, at the baseline of actually, making sure that your kids are prepared for college, what they seem to suggest is so important. They're not even doing that. They're willing to sacrifice that. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's all tied together. I mean, it, to kind of like continue on a little about what you were saying, it just like, you know, and you're also think about like how in Penridge were like, you know, these right-wing parents for Penridge for Educational Liberty are like celebrating, like panning, like two right. books from like, you know, black women authors. They're calling out works by like Langston Hughes and, and William Baldwin, um, you know, and, you know, the, the whole idea of like public education like you said you know my understanding of it at least is is to kind of it's a pillar of democracy right right public education just allows us as citizens to kind of you know one like um learn learn about and, and grow up with like a shared set of like facts and like values you know and just like understanding of like science um and like you said, like, if that's not happening, then it, it is undermining democracy, you know, let alone like a multiracial democracy, um, which is relatively new in this country, right? right? It's like, we've only had a multiracial democracy, you know, and, and then not like, you know, not fully, but since like the, you know, the Voting Rights Act. 1965, right. right. And now you see them like rolling back these these kind of, the, the little progress that we have made, you know, over the last like five, six decades as well, which is also like tied into this kind of like assault on education. Like the thing is like critical thinking is the, um, you know, it, it's the enemy of, authoritarianism and fascism and i think that's why these authoritarian and kind of like fascist movements are attacking public education and then like voting rights 100 100 percent. and you know i do have to say well before before i switch gears a little bit here one of the things that i have to say as part of that attack and we got to hear this in the central bucks uh, school board meeting we've also heard, been hearing this now like in penridge and some of the other school districts too as well um was uh one of the things that paul martino did in that central bucks meeting was then go after basically those two school board members right um the two democratic school board members and say that they should excuse themselves from um, upcoming contract negotiations with the teachers union because they receive money from the teachers union right and for you know for a bunch of people like Paul Martino, teachers unions are the number one enemy or them and all public sector unions, but they want to go to war over teachers unions because teachers unions are the one source of protection for the kind of, you know, the, the, the authority and professionalism of teachers, right. To making sure that teachers are not going to be kind of afraid in their classrooms, that they're going to have decent standards of living, right. And teachers are in a position to have some pushback, Right. Um, as organized fact, you know, I, you know, my when my parents started in public school, right, they were both public school teachers. 
when they first were kind of getting started in uh, Utica, New York, right, there was not a teacher's union then. And teacher's union salaries were poverty wages, right? Um, there was no job security. They had, you know, if, if the, the principal didn't like what they were teaching, they could be fired, like, for, for no cause. And teacher's union arose in part to uphold those standards and the professionalism of teachers, right? The ones who should have authority, who are the experts on our curriculum, the experts in kind of what kids need, um, at, you know, at the get-go. And to see Paul Martino basically lay the groundwork to try to go after those negotiations also shows you what's on their mind about ways of kind of going after that one kind of bulwark of protecting public education, which is which are organized teachers. Yeah. And then, you know, without without that, without the teachers union, like then, you know, then they will have won because like, you know, you're, you're already seeing like these, you know, essentially what are essentially quote unquote bounties, right. That are being put on teachers heads by like groups like mom for Liberty, right. Like offering rewards for people that, you know, that supposedly catch the, a teacher teaching like critical race theory, which isn't taught in K through 12 schools, but essentially, which means like anything honest and truthful about like the struggle for to overcome racism and structural racism in the country, or even like a state sanctioned snitch line, like what's happening in Virginia. Right. Right. Um, which, you know, brings us back to the elections, you know, about like, you know, why moving forward? Like, I mean, I mean, imagine like a governor, Doug Mastriano, good God, you know, I mean, he's a Christian nationalist. You know, there, there's a reason why, like in a local straw poll of the far right here in Bucks County, like he was number one far and away their favorite to be. This is the base, the base of the Bucks GOP their favorite to be the next governor of Pennsylvania. And if that happens, you know, across the board, whether it's education, voting rights, women's rights, we're screwed. Right. And I, look, and I and I think I sent you a picture of this, too, as well. Like the first signs that have gone up in my area, right, um, are for Mastriano. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, the guy who is, you know, he's going to be going before, you know, he's basically got a subpoena about the January 6th commission and his role, you know, and his role in the kind of January 6th uprising. As you said, he's a Christian nationalist. Um, he's in a kind of ex such an extremist. And yet there's already signs going up for him in the primary. Right. And, you know, again, I, I don't want to get into this debate about whether yard signs work. I hate those debates. Right. For me, I've always been kind of like, look, it tells you if those yard signs go up early, it basically is a some degree of measure of you have some motivated people out there. That's what it yeah. means. It doesn't mean like, you know, your ultimate breakdown in percentages, what's going to turn out. But it tells you there's people motivated. And to see the first people out of the gate are Mastriano and the extremists, that should give us some serious pause about what is and i do think that they're they're garnering energy on the backs of all you know this kind of school board like like uprising stuff yeah absolutely so one of the things that i want to i do want to kind of focus on the other side of that of the bucks county meeting because not only was the meeting itself crazy um for what these you know extremists are now focusing on you did focus in your piece, like your, what, your piece that um, kind of was out, what, just a couple days ago, right? The Bucks County Beacon um, about some of the pushback, right? And you kind of focused in on um, Alexandria Coffee, right? She's a, a, I think I got her, Coffee is her name? Mm -hmm. And right. a sophomore, right? Uh, Central Bucks West High School sophomore um, who was pretty amazing, 
right? Um, in terms of the message that she was bringing there, and you had a chance to talk with her and her mom, right? Um, too as well. So talk us through a little bit about that, because I think that this is the hope, right? Is go where where we have kind of room to build and for pushback. Yeah, I mean, you know, and 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 that's the thing. It, it, a lot of the kids get it, right? And like, thank goodness for like people like her. And you know, and I I had written a bit something similar, you know, a while back using what happened in York, York. with like the youth organizing, just kind of like trying to call on like Bucks County youth and saying like, really like you you know, we need to follow your lead as well. Like you need to be just as invested in your education as these students in York were, who were able to kind of, you know, roll back and defeat a pretty like extensive and comprehensive like book ban, um, you know, that just kind of was like a blanket ban on just like yeah. authors of color or like biographies of like historical figures of color, um, which which is really disturbing. But like, yeah, I mean, Alexandra uh, Coffee, I mean, you know, like the what she said was just like, you know, people have searched for the answers to humanity's most debated questions in the words of Twain and Shakespeare alike. Literature has a proclivity to guide the soul. It gives people something to relate to. Silent Primus that gleams like you too can make it through this, right? And 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 she was saying like you know when she heard about this debate about like the banning books, like she was baffled, right? Yes. Like this like you know this sophomore in high school like couldn't get like while the why these you know parents were were just taking these these passages out of context and, and, and tried to kind of like make something you know out, out of nothing ne never mind like you know there's um you know i think it's like infantilizing to to some students like her now granted like not every you know some of these books aren't for everyone right like not not everyone can kind of like grapple with these ideas Never mind the fact that like a parent can like opt their kid out of having like access to these books, right? Like that can happen. Like they can call, you know, they can contact the school. They can say, "Hey, I don't want my 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 son or daughter reading Toni Morrison," right? Like they can already do that. So that, that that's like right. another question. Then they're just like, well, then like why why this push, right? Because I, that it's not really about like parental choice anymore. Something that they've been pushing, you know, supposedly the whole time, right? No, it's not. It's about these far right parents choosing what they want and what they don't want in public education. Right. And it's basically saying it's like, look, you don't want to opt your kid out or you want to opt your kid out. Right. Oh, there's a process. As you said, there's a process that you can do this. Right. But what they want is the ability to tell all of us. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's exactly it. And, you know, what I was reminded of as you were kind of talking through that, you, you saw this this recent kind of like kerfuffle around um, Pixar's Turning Red, the kind of new movie that was just released, where you got mm -hmm. this kind of like, you know, this well-established movie reviewer basically coming out and like, yeah, you know what? I just didn't really see the point of connection. I didn't really see myself in that movie. So I don't really know. It's got a really niche audience. So it's not that good, right? And it was like a huge, just people exploded. I think, my, you know, my daughter was dying to see this movie, right? We watched it with her when it came out, right? With, you know, we had a movie night with my niece, my daughter, like my brother and sister-in-law, watched this thing. 
and it was an awesome movie, right? And like, and it was, it was, a, it was a, you know, I mean, it, you know, again, put everything within brackets, right? It's a, it's a Disney Pixar movie, okay? So it's not like you know, the cutting edge, you know, a movie. But it was a really sweet movie that was kind of dealt with it. I'm like, did I ever feel uncomfortable, right? Because I, as a white man, wasn't the central character of the thing. No, right? And I think there was one. I can't remember who said this, but it's like you know. Uh, you know, I watched, uh, you know, I watched the Finding Nemo. Right. And uh, I couldn't connect with, with with Nemo because I'm not a fish. So it's a kind of a waste of time. It's ridiculous. But it's the same kind of mentality unless there's, you know, these books and the way that they want to see the world is reflected exactly in their experience there that they want to ban everybody from having access to those alternative realities. And for me, it mirrors what they're doing in our communities, too, as well, what they're doing in our political system, what they're doing, in our democracy. This is not just about kind of whether or not your kid it has to kind of read Tony Morrison. This is about excluding right? The kind of emerging majority of Americans to kind of preserve, I'll kind of forgive me, but a white supremacist version of history. I mean, I, I don't know how else to kind of, how else to look at it other than that in the big picture. That seems to be the consequences. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, again, like going back to Penridge, like, you know, besides like celebrating, removing these books, they like were able to remove like it was the word oppression from like a, uh, and, and then like well, there was one other word I can't think of it off the top of my head, but just just from like a just a curriculum document, right? Like the word oppression is is uh, offensive to them, not not actually that oppression, oppression itself, the word. <laughs> um, God so, forbid we have we have a collection of letters that together signify this thing in the world, right? I mean. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I think one thing that's like disappointing and uh, it's just that like, you know, should, I mean, what do you think? Should I would think the superintendent should be pushing back against this shit, right? Like someone like David Bolton seems to just kind of, he's spineless, yeah. right? Either that or he agrees with this, right? And either one is unacceptable. Well, I'll, you know, I'll say I'll, I'll say it right here uh, on the show. You were right, Cyril. Uh, I tried I tried to kind of like be an optimist for a moment when it came to Bolton right around this stuff. I'm like, well, maybe, but no, I it's either I think it's true. Either he's spineless. Right. And therefore ineffectual. Right. Um, or he is basically in agreement with these positions. I mean, I don't know how else to read it. And if he wants to be seen as something other than that, well, then he has to show it in his actions, not in his, you know, um, not in whatever his protections of his foo-foos or something like this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I don't know. I, okay. So, yeah, I could just, I, could, <laughs> I mean, this is, I, I also, I really, I really did sincerely want to kind of get your take on just as like, holy shit, what's happening in our world right now. I mean, it's not kind of disconnected from what's happening here in Central Bucks, right? But thinking about the Russian invasion of, of kind of Ukraine and kind of seeing what we're seeing there, and I can't help but see overlaps, right, um, with, you know, the, a particular kind of approach to how you see the world and kind of rewriting of history um, and the kind of, you know, the turn to violence as a way of, um, of kind of asserting kind of one version of history over another um, and one people over another, right, and saying violence is okay. And, you know, that coming right up against this challenge for, you know, well, what what happens right what do 
quote unquote we right um do right i mean so i'm curious like you know i know that you've been you know you've been kind of steeped in international politics for kind of quite some time and i know you're paying attention to stuff so i'm curious to get your kind of take on what's happening Sure. And, you know, and I can kind of like tease what I'll be, you know, writing about or publishing um, this week as well, because I'm going to do another article about Ukraine. Um, But I think like one thing that um, that's been overlooked is just exactly like how dangerous of a situation we find ourselves in, especially and specifically because of nuclear weapons. Right. Um, you know, we are so, I mean, we're so close to having, you know, something just unspeakable happen, like one nuclear weapon, right? Just like one thing happening. And you see like, you know, one, you, you, you see Putin just kind of like, uh, essentially kind of like daring the United States to, to do something. Yep. Right. And, and, and suggesting that they're like nuclear ready. And then you have like congressmen like Brian Fitzpatrick, right. Who's just like, you know, he's way out of his depth, like talking about like international affairs and politics. Right. Yet like he's everywhere right now, just puffing his chest, Right. Just trying to like project this kind of like bravado, whether it's on Twitter where he's like tagging like POTUS, right? To like, you know, just like, okay, Biden's not like Trump. He's not up at like three in the morning, like looking at his Twitter. <laughs> his Twitter right. So like there's probably better ways for you to like communicate like policy differences with the with the president. Um, but like, you know, essentially like just suggesting that like the United States has to go in like stronger and comparing like what's happening, like the Russia's invasion in Ukraine to like a bully in the schoolyard and you just have to hit him back. Um, you know, like, he doesn't understand that there's like, you know, there's 14,000 nuclear weapons, uh, roughly about 14,000 nuclear weapons between like the United States and Russia. You have v- Vladimir Putin, you know, suggesting that he's ready to use it if if he sees a provocation by the United States. And, you know, we've already seen what the United States has done to Hiroshima and Nagasaki, right? right. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like the, the thing I want to talk, you know, I want to talk about this in my next column for The Courier, as well as like, you know, kind of go into some of the history, progressive history of Bucks County, um, where there was like a, a pretty vibrant and thriving uh, anti-nuclear movement um, back in the 80s. There was this group called uh, BAND, the Bucks Alliance for Nuclear Disarmament, um, that was just a, a very like dynamic and active group of, of different like secular and faith-based organizations that were putting on like weekly events, having speakers. Um, Helen Caldecott came to the um, to Neshaminy Langhorn High School back in 82 to speak about this. And we're at a moment now where I think like, you know, this needs to be on people's radar. Yeah. Like back then you were like in the midst of the Cold War, right? And and so like folks were like kind of like you, you couldn't help but kind of be aware and be thinking about like what could happen, especially like, you know, when you had the rhetoric of Reagan, you know, talking about the evil empire um, and the nuclear arms race. 
you know, and to Reagan's credit, he actually kind of reversed his his uh, position on that. And and then they did start kind of like, you know, scaling back uh, production. But that, that wouldn't have happened if that if there wasn't like this this global like anti-nuke movement right. that was happening, you know, where there was like, you know, one, I think in New York City in like 1981, there was like 1 million people that kind of like came out to like Central Park, right? So like now we're at a, a moment again that just kind of shows us like how dangerous still having nuclear weapons is. And I think we, we, we we're at a moment where, you know, we need a nut, we need a, a rejuvenation of an anti-nuke movement it's still out there but it's more like kind of like it needs to be more intergenerational you know because i feel like it's just like kind of like you know more of the elders um that are involved with like the catholic workers and the plowshare movements but we need to kind of make it more mainstream again and then that kind of like by by engaging in this and by denuclearizing you know um our militaries like then we can use all those hundreds of millions of dollars that we're wasting, right? right? You know, on this on these like suicide machines or these suicide weapons because no one wins a nuclear war, everybody loses nuclear winner like game over, right? So we can and then you use that money for things that actually matter, like education, right? You know, like infrastructure, etc. um well, you know, and I think that I love this point that you're making about needing to be more intergenerational um, now. Um, because I, I, too, I remember this, uh, you know, growing up in Utica, New York, and then spending so much time in Syracuse. Syracuse had a really vibrant kind of anti-nuclear movement there, too, as well. And, you know, I think that there's some, you know, I was thinking about, I was, here's what I've been thinking a lot about of late. And I've been um, reading about some of the folks that are, um, you know, pushing back you know, bringing up the question of want to kind of denuclearize our military. I like how you said that. Um, but one of the things that they've been pointing to is that, you know, look, in, in the 1980s and during the Cold War, what would happen is because you had these kind of massive nuclear arsenals, that you had all these kind of proxy wars that were happening all over the world, right? Um, and they were proxy wars that were taking place, you know, you know, there were ideological conflicts, right, between these two kind of global powers. What we're seeing right now in Ukraine, however, right, you still have this kind of nuclear threat, right, except now, right, uh, what's happening is that we're, there's a hesitancy to protect millions of people (laughs) because of the potential of the nuclear threat, right, of that kind of escalating. So, you know, in some ways, like the the question that's been there front and center for me is like, you know, look, I can see, given what's given how this is escalate how the the invasion of Ukraine has escalated so much already. I could see how this could escalate pretty quickly, right? Um, and what Putin has basically shown that that he's willing to willing to order, right? You see the indiscriminate kind of bombing of hospitals and civilians and neighborhoods, things like this. Right now, we saw the killing of journalists now, kind of in Western Ukraine, as you know, basically another uh, like another shot across the bow and then you have you know biden and like europe basically hesitant about wanting to move forward right and wanting to kind of get involved in any conflict and it feels like it's a very different kind of context than it was during that you know during the cold war because it's not about a proxy war and i hear what it drives me crazy when you hear the media say well it's the u.s and russia again and that doesn't seem to be the right 
you know, configuration and for how we understand what's happening in there. And front and center is there, you know, I keep on coming back to well, what happens, what does the world do, right, when you have a military power like this just steamroll into a nation and slaughter people? Yeah. How do we respond? And I don't think there's an answer for that right now. Um, and I, I keep on coming back to that exact idea is like where the, the nuclear threat has a very different role now. It is allowing and facilitating and enabling, right, the spread of authoritarianism by violence. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and absolutely. I think what we know isn't the answer. And I think like this is like something like, you know, our congressman is pushing for is not this like unipolar approach where like the United States is the one just kind of like making the decisions. Like the best thing Biden has done has been more, you know, it has been being inclusive and with like the rest of the global community. Because, you know, in order to kind of, I think in, in, in order to kind of overcome what's happening here, like we we need the global uh, uh, community, you know, behind us. Yes. And, you know, I mean, and, and say what you will, like ar around China, but like, you know, China's like offering like a little like diplomatic cover to Russia, but they I, I, I don't believe like they agree with like what Russia's doing. Right. And they're not going to back them militarily. It, it, it serves them no purpose. Like China's already like essentially be uh, becoming a global power just just economically. Right. Like it's positioning itself um, as the center of like, you know, globalization 3.0 or whatever you know version we're at right now. Um, through kind of like, you know, soft economic power and, uh, you know, obviously there's strings attached to like, you know, them right, like right, moving right. into like Africa and Latin America. It's the same as if like the U.S. was doing it, but they're just like better at it now. And then they're like pushing, you know, this like Belt and Road Initiative as well, just kind of like creating the infrastructure to kind of like, you know, uh, build their kind of like, you know, hegemonic plans for the future. Um went off on a little tangent there but going back like yeah it's just like we we need to just kind of like this needs to be a there, there needs to be a global response to this right and it's not something that the u.s should dictate right we we need to kind of i mean we can lead with like you know ideas and and things but this has to be kind of like a collective response and and we're seeing like other countries that like normally maybe like wouldn't get involved as much like you know Germany, Germany. reversed course and pivoted I think Sweden even Switzerland um, so you know I, I think that's one good thing that's happening but uh, you know at the same time like obviously like you know Russia is is not letting up and it is just kind of like doubling down on. It, it, it's barbaric brutality and in, in, in targeting civilian infrastructure. I, I feel like the, essentially like, you know, Putin's plan is just like, all right, now that he realized that he couldn't kind of like install like a puppet regime, it's just to kind of like, you know, completely burn the country to the ground. That's what it, that's what it looks like. I mean, just kind of objectively when they started going in to try to take up some of these cities and then the resistance was too much. So they just, pulled back and redistributed their troops and just started indiscriminately shelling and destroying stuff. Um, it's, and, you know, s slaughtering people. It's, it's been pretty, it's pretty something. I mean, I, it just seems to me as like, we're, you know, this seems to be one of those inflection point moments, right. In history where this could go so many different directions in terms of what 
it sets you know what sets the stage for going forward um and uh it is it is one of these moments where <laughs> you, you can you can register pretty quickly or not register but you can kind of hear pretty quickly when you have commentators that are trying to kind of like um put old kind of frameworks onto this new conflict and they just don't work um and instead you know i keep i just keep on coming back with we have to focus on i mean what you said on the one hand is that this has to be a global response right we're on the same page and the focus has to be on the people of of ukraine right and i would also add to that also not lumping in like the mass of people in russia with the russian government right i mean you know that that's the and i i have to say there's been some pretty good work on that right to basically people really wanted to check this like throwing the russians into all like one big pit but by kind of saying well look and by focusing on the the resistance focusing on you know the protests that are happening there was like the, that one image of that woman getting arrested for holding up a blank sign right yeah. um you know and you know meanwhile people here in this country can't wear a mask because that's what tyranny is but anyways that's a i don't want to distract us mm -hmm. on that one but you know what i mean it's like there's like there's there's some really important careful work that's got to happen right now and by keeping people's lives right and front and center i think to how we approach this is going to be critical going forward yeah, I mean, that that has been kind of like a positive development is just the kind of like, you know, you still see it a little bit, but there hasn't really been this kind of like anti-Russian, like xenophobic, like response, um, you know, which is maybe like we've kind of like learned from the past, right? Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see because, I, you know, I also feel like, you know, he's kind of like losing his grip on his own country. Like, you know, he, I don't think he just kind of rec recognizes exactly. I, I, I think he's put himself in a position where he's made himself vulnerable. Yeah. Um, because, you know, because like once like popular opinion turns against him, then just like you would have like the oligarchs and like the, the military folks um, that might be responsive to that just out of like self-preservation, right? Um, so I think the only other thing that kind of, you know, that that I've been thinking about is that, you know, this is like a, what's happening here is just kind of like a testament to like the weakness of like international law and international treaties, international organizations and international justice. And, and, and sadly we've played a hand in weakening that. Right, right. right. Um, you know, whether it's like our, you know, illegal invasion of the war in Iraq, because, you know, we went in without the UN, you know, um, approval, you know, which we're, we're, we're a treaty member, we, we signed the treaty and the constitution says that any treaty we sign is like the highest law of the land, right? Not to mention like the torture, right? And, and, and some of the indiscriminate bombings that we did there. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's hard for Washington to kind of like take the moral high ground. Um, not not to say that like we shouldn't like criticize and and, and then that it kind of like delegitimizes like criticisms. I, I hate that like some people kind of like maybe use that to kind of like distort 
yeah, you know, what's happening in Russia or to kind of like come to some kind of like bullshit defense of, of what's happening over there. Like, no, like this is like Russian imperialism and just naked right. barbarism exactly. in Ukraine, right. period. And it doesn't matter whether, you know, the United States has done similar things in the past, right? It, it doesn't make it any better. Two things um, can be but, wrong at once, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it, it, it is something to at least kind of like think about, like moving forward, you know, it's just like, well, you know, we could we can accuse Russia of committing war crimes and say they should be, you know, um, tried, you know, people should potentially be tried for war crimes. But we we don't, you know, we haven't signed on to the international criminal court right. because we don't want our own people like uh, you know tried for war crimes um so you know again for like the, these are like kind of like bigger issue like broader questions for like the peace movement in the united states um as well but you know it's just something that i've been thinking about no totally and i think you know i have to say on that point it was pretty haunting to see the uh russian ambassador to the un show up and basically talking about how Ukraine was developing bioweapons and weapons of mass destruction to see that come back. Yeah. Right. And I can't, you know, look, I, I, I do think that there is something in the, um, in the, the political strategy of kind of the Kremlin that is, is essentially trolling. Right. I mean, is, mm -hmm. and I, and I mean that as a political strategy, right. Um, and they do it so well in terms of their, you know, obviously hacker farms and all that other kinds of stuff. But I mean, specifically on this stuff to be able to take what like say the U S or other Western nations do and just like throw it right back in their face. Right. And then basically say, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and you see that stuff exactly play itself out. Well, it's crazy. Well, man, this is we're not going to solve these problems tonight. That's for sure. Um, I mean, I think, but but I, I like the way you put it. I mean, these are just kind of like some of the bigger questions for the peace movement that are are you know deserve the kind of careful thinking and kind of you know thoughtfulness kind of moving forward. And we're not going to having kind of knee jerk reactions. And I'll see already people doing some of that is great. So let me ask you this: is like um, before I let you go tonight, I said you already kind of gave us a little teaser what you're some of the things you're working on. But when you're kind of looking ahead to kind of you know stuff that you're working on, I mean, you got. You got the, you know, the the weekly column now, the Bucks, Bucks County Courier Times. You've got, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm the Bucks County Beacon, and you've got your column at the Bucks County Courier Times, the Intelligencer. Um, so uh, it's it's awesome to see this, uh, you know, the doubling and tripling of, <laughs> of these columns that are out there. So when you're kind of looking at kind of what kind of moving forward, things that you're still got your eye on, um, obviously you mentioned the stuff on Ukraine. Are there other things that you're paying attention to, too, as well? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we have to keep on top of these like school board issues, right? Um, you know, because like public education is such a bedrock of democracy. Um, so, you know, that's something I'm going to continue to follow. You know, I, I, I'm going to continue to kind of like listen to like what and, and see what the community is kind of like most concerned about. Like that's just one approach. You know, I've taken with the column is it's about like listening to folks that are doing the the organizing on the ground or who are concerned about certain things um who think that like it would be helpful that i um kind of like shine a light on um whether it's something that's bad at happening or, or something like positive progressive solution to some of the problems that we're facing um you know so the, you know this is just me reiterating like please reach out if if you guys have ideas um you know about things that i should be covering and writing about Obviously, the you know elections 
um, are going to be pretty prominent. And, um, you know, the, the Beacon, the Bucks County Beacon, um, you know, the, the folks there have some big plans. Gonna, I'm going to be taking on a bigger role. There'll be a more like official announcement. But like when, you know, with my first column, you know, like I was serious about like us building like independent progressive movement media. Um, and I'm, and, and they want to kind of like give me the, the institutional backing and the, and the tools um, in order to do that for Bucks County. They have that vision and that commitment, the folks that are running the Bucks County Beacon, um, to kind of follow through with that. Um, and, the, you know, I want to see this as a media outlet that's, um, you know, by and, and for like the people on the ground. I, I want to democratize the opinion page. I want more people to be involved in writing and, and, and engaged in, in, in the project. Um, so, you know, and, you know, obviously I'll be back on, um, you know, once this is more like formalized, but, you know, that's, that's something that I just wanted to kind of give you just like a taste of and, and, and something that, um, you know, we can talk about more in depth moving forward. 100%. Well, man, I can't wait to see what you got planned and what we got rolling out. Um, like we've been talking a lot about here to uh, recently on the show. I know that Cyril and I have talked about this just kind of like informally back and forth, you know, really thinking, you know, this summer is uh, seems to be like a pretty good time to uh, start doing some really good networking, maybe even like you know, Bucks County Progressive Media Summit, maybe something along the lines like this. It'd be fantastic. Um, but I do think that, you know, uh, we're definitely on the same page here and we're going to be kind of right there with you every step of the way. Well, hey, man, Cyril, I'm so glad this worked out tonight. I'm so glad your power got back on. <laughs> and, then, and then I found my mic button at the same time. <laughs> we got this going. But um, I appreciate the time, man. And, uh, you know, thanks so much for being on tonight. Hey, thanks, Kevin. I'm glad we did it. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for tuning in here. Um, thank you for all the comments. Uh, thank you for all the kind of, uh, you know, support and love that you see, you've shown the show over the years. We want to remind you that you can help become support the show by heading over to patreon.com slash RC press. You can become a patron for as little as five bucks a month. And I want you to tune in next week um, for yet another out the coop live at 7 PM. Yeah. We're going to be talking more about fascism. How about that? All right, everybody have a good night. Happy Monday and have a good St. Patrick's day this week, everybody. This is Kevin Mahoney. Sunday.